Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton, and my usual co-host, Adam Jones, does not seem to be here right now. We, uh, we just spoke with MJ DeMarco. He's the author of the book that we reviewed on the weekend, The Millionaire Fast Lane, and he's just got a brand new book out called Unscripted. And uh, it could be, I guess, I don't know, uh, not really a controversial book, but it's definitely not the, uh, the mainstream view, that's for sure. He takes on a lot of these, I guess, human constructs, like the named days and the you know, school, career for 40, 50 years, try and save a little bit and then retire. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's uh, certainly an eye-opener. Uh, <laughs> as I said, we just spoke to him, Adam Jones. I don't know. I think he had to go get some fresh air. He might have blown a fuse from uh, all this talk of the sidewalk and the slow lane and the fast lane. He just needs to go and pace for a while and mull things over. Anyway, Adam Jones was here for the chat, and it was a really good chat with MJ. It might not be your cup of tea, but it's certainly an eye-opener, and it'll certainly give you at least a bit of an insight into a different perspective and a different way of looking at, at life and career and money and all those things combined. So here is MJ DeMarco. Hey, uh, thanks for having, having me. My name is MJ DeMarco. I'm the author of The Millionaire Fastlane and Unscripted, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Entrepreneurship. I have been an entrepreneur my entire life, um, uh, owned a series of uh, businesses, uh, was able to um, create a company that uh, was profitable for 10 years straight, sold it a couple times, uh, did a semi-retirement, and I wrote these wrote these two books. And right now I own a entrepreneur forum, one of the most trafficked uh, web forums uh, that discusses entrepreneurship. And that is called the Fastlane Forum. And right now I am joining these two to discuss what <laughs> you will learn. Unreal. So yeah, we did a review of the Millionaire Fastlane during the week. And I have to be honest, when I first saw the title and the cover and um my girlfriend saw that she didn't really wasn't really all about it, and I was I was like, you know, why are we reading this book, Adam? But then I got into it, and it's seriously one of the best one of the best books I've ever read. It was like a, a right hook to the face, I thought, to some of my um, you know beliefs I probably hold. So yeah, it had a huge impact on me, and yeah, thanks for that. So if you could probably start off with a um, just a, a quick overview of the the three fast lanes, and uh, yeah, before we get sure. into your new book. Yeah, I hear that a lot about the book. Um, so, so, uh, so the people in your audience who have never heard it before, and they hear the title "The Millionaire Fast Lane," I get a lot of that. Uh, you know, that title's kind of goofy, kind you know, kind sounds kind of scammy. Mm. Um, but that isn't uh, that isn't the, that it isn't the truth. So, I get a lot of that. Uh, you know, the, the title's bad, but man, it rocked my world. So, uh, never judge a book by its title. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Spot on. So the, the the book covers basically three lanes, and it's how people govern their their financial life. Actually, it's it could be just their life in general. Finance is a big portion of it, uh, and those three lanes are the sidewalk, the slow lane, and the fast lane. And the sidewalk is a modality where you just live paycheck to paycheck. Everything you earn is spent on lifestyle, on new cars, new gadgets, new clothes, whatever. There's no financial plan. There's no budgeting. There's no saving. It's just a day-to-day existence. And the interesting thing about the sidewalk is it's, it is immune from 
income. It is immune from net worth. It doesn't matter what you make. It just means you are going to spend everything you make. So you can be an engineer. You can be a professional athlete. You can be someone as a cashier at McDonald's. It doesn't really matter. This is why when you hear, you know, professional athletes who have made, you know, they've made $60 million over their career, and then five years later, they are bankrupt. So the, the, the official classification for that is someone who is living on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And the slow lane is a step up from that. The slow lane is someone who does have a financial plan, uh, but it is predicated on mainstream mediocrity and the mainstream idea that if you give Wall Street 50 years of your life and your savings, and you do that for, you know, decades and decades, and one day, if you're patient, and of course, you're old enough, you last, you know, you live long enough, then suddenly one day you will become a millionaire. And, you know, that's the old, well, if you save $100 a month for the next 50 years, you'll have $2.2 million when you're 65. So the slow lane is really predicated on a plan of what I call hope and pray. You have to hope the stock market gives you a certain percentage. You have to hope that your government uh, does not hyperinflate your money uh, here in America, uh, the government just prints and prints and prints and mm-hmm. and it just doesn't stop. So, so when they when these gurus are telling you to you know save your money and give it to Wall Street, and then when you're 65, you'll have a million dollars. Well, they never discuss what that million dollars is going to buy yeah. in 50 years. It may get you a a Chevy. Uh, you know, a small car. You don't know. It's just, it's just a ridiculous. Um, it, it's a ridiculous plan. However, it does have its good points, and that is, of course, saving and budgeting. And that brings us to the third plan, which is the fast lane, and that is a program where it's based on leveraged entrepreneurship. And leveraged by leveraged, I mean accessing uh, a business that can be scaled unlimitedly. Um, as opposed to one that is unleveraged. An unleveraged business would be something that requires your time to trade. For instance, if you don't, if you don't work, you're not going to make money. So the leveraged entrepreneurship comes in when, you're, when you invent or create a product or, or something that could be scaled as easily as you know, 1,000 versus a million. Uh, for instance, when I owned my internet company, I could service hundreds of people a day as well as tens of thousands of people a day. Likewise, right now I'm an author. Uh, I can easily produce, uh, print one million books as I can 10,000. 10, mm-hmm. So that's, that's the leverage of a fast lane is, is leveraged mathematics because the idea of the fast lane is not to make 10,000 dollars a month it's to make a hundred thousand dollars a month so this idea of becoming a millionaire you know it doesn't require 50 years of patience with investments it only requires a a couple of years of no uh, nose to the grindstone work in an entity a business entity that has that ability uh to scale you know into the thousands into the millions and that's, that's, I mean, the language of the universe is mathematics. Mm-hmm. So we really want to boil things down 
to the mathematical equations. And when you have a job, which is you know endemic of the slow lane, when you have a job, you tie yourself up to these equations, which just don't render themselves to creating wealth because an employer says, you know, you make X dollars an hour or you make X dollars a year. Mm -hmm. So the fast lane tries to wipe all that out and give you a new equation for where wealth creation, you know, massive wealth income or even even um, net asset value wealth uh, in terms of the what your company is worth. It gives you a new equation that you can tap into where creating wealth you know, on that kind of scale, it's actually a possibility and not an impossibility. Mm. And so, this is a—it's a—it's a book about uh, getting rich quick. But uh, how come how come get rich quick has such uh, negative connotations? I, I don't know. It's, getting rich quick sounds like a good idea. Well, getting rich quick happens all the time. Uh, we see it in business all the time. You don't become the youngest billionaire on the planet unless you get rich quick. Mm. Uh, you know, I retired. I retired. You know, what amounts to thirty, thirty-five years early. Well, that couldn't happen unless I got rich quick. See, the problem is, get rich quick is always associated with scams and schemes, um, which then is really applied to get rich easy. Mm. See, people want to get rich quick, but they also want to get rich easy. And getting rich quick is not easy. It's difficult. But the point I'm trying to make it is it is extremely possible. It is very possible because it happens every single day. There are people at my forum who who just come in and, and they're just their eyes are blown. You know, I was just talking about someone the other day who uh, got involved with self-publishing. And he started his little business three years ago. And he just posted on the forum the other day that he has eclipsed, or he hasn't eclipsed, he's like $100 away from $100,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking, and he doesn't even live in the United States or Australia or the UK. He lives in a, um, a West, Eastern European country. But I have to, you have to think to yourself, well, how long is it going to take him to become a millionaire? Mm -hmm. 50 years mm -hmm. by the slow lane or a few years? by a fast lane metric so get rich quick it's very possible that's what we want to do we want to make that a possibility as opposed to an impossibility mm. so on the surface it seems like the fast lane is so much more desirable but why are we i guess scripted into going on the, the sidewalk or the slow lane when there's just seriously and obviously so many negative things like in the book you mentioned which I thought was really powerful that the, uh, it was one of the world's best violinists or something was playing to a huge crowd on a on one night of the week with a whole uh, a sell out crowd and then played on the sidewalk or at the uh, the the subway during the week a few days later and no one stopped to listen to one of the best musicians in the world they were too uh, too into the rat race and in their, their yeah. day to day grind. Yeah, that's a that's a sad story. Um... But uh, that, that's because that's what society has trained us for. I mean, we've been indoctrinated for that existence since we've been put into school. And so when everyone is heading in the same direction, it's very hard to look at around you and see everyone heading in the same direction and saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to turn around. And I discussed some of this in my, in my other book, my new book, Unscripted about hyper-realities. And the hyper-realities 
exist to contain us into this type of boxed thinking where we have to live our life according to a prescribed set of rules. And yet we never question these really aren't rules. These are just constructs that have been put there by our masters, our government, our authority figures to keep us to keep us contained and obedient to the system. Uh, the, uh, the, my favorite example of this is the concept of Monday through Friday. Hmm. Monday through Friday is a human construct. Uh, a Monday is the exact same day as a Saturday. There is no celestial reason in the in the sky that has this seven-day work cycle. I mean, if aliens came to the planet, they wouldn't recognize the difference between a Monday, a Sunday, or a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a system to induce order. And uh, I've been quoted as saying many times that Saturday is exactly the same as Monday. Your dog doesn't know the difference, <laughs> and yet and yet we're trained that we have to give up. Our Monday through Friday for the system, which is, you know, technically, typically a job. And we have to do that for 50 years. And yet your Saturday and Sunday, that is for you. That's what you get. And you think about that. That's a five for two trade. <laughs> you're tra- yeah, I mean, you're trading five days of your life so you can get two back. Now, if we're talking about money, people would never make that investment because, you don't get time back. If you waste five days, you don't get that time back. So it's a negative interest. It's a negative return, negative rate of return. It's like you giving me $5, and then I keep the $5, and then I give you two back. Well, you immediately lost 60% of your principal in that transaction. And yet when it comes to time, we're all willing to do that with no questions asked. And again, the hyper realities Monday through Friday are these types of systems that keep us constrained and and not thinking about why we do certain things. Hmm. And is that you said it's from the I guess from the first day we go to school? Is it because you know school they make us go five days a week, you know, for seven hours a day, and you have to stand in line, and everyone has to be obedient sure. and follow the rules? And is that just training us for the uh, the yes. next fifty years? Yes, that's training wheels. You're you're in your training wheels to understand that, gee, I'm going to school Monday through Friday, and I'm doing things that I really don't enjoy, but I have to do it. And then the funny thing is you graduate from high school and college, and then you do the same damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> How can we change it? Well, that's what I talk about uh, in my books, is how to change that to the power of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when you're working for yourself, a lot of the a lot of the work, the, the the perceptions of oh this is work or this isn't fun, drain away because it's replaced by autonomy. And autonomy, they've actually done research on this, that autonomy is one of the significant factors of happiness. And autonomy is your ability to endorse what you want to do, when you want to do it, why you want to do it. And so when you own a business, whether the business is making a ton of money or not, the fact that you can make your own decisions and steer your own ship brings an incredible amount of happiness. Mm. And, you know, just the other day, I, I got sick. I didn't get sick, but my neck was killing me and I had these migraines. I didn't work most of the day. And I just laid in bed. And just I was thinking as I was laying in bed, that ability just to say, you know what? 
I'm not going to go into my office today. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to relax. I'm going to try to get rid of this damn headache. See, to have that kind of power is incredibly it – just – it brings happiness. And then if you add some money into the equation where you can walk into a store, buy whatever you want, you know, do whatever you want, go wherever you want, and that just adds to the autonomy equation. So if we're looking to increase our happiness, entrepreneurship is an excellent career because it offers that autonomy. And that's uh, that. That's what life, I, in my opinion, is all about, is about freedom, having the ability to do what you want, when, and where. Mm, well. So, so far, there's some guys, some people listening to the podcast now, and, and they want to pursue a more entrepreneurial lifestyle. How do they go out there and pursue new business opportunities and, and live this lifestyle of autonomy? Well, first, you have to understand, I think a lot of people think, you know, going into business, gee, that must mean I have to be the next Amazon. I have to create the next Facebook you know, I have to do something that's never been done before, mm-hmm. and that is so far from the truth. Uh, I discussed in my in unscripted uh, a concept called uh, value arrays and value attributes and value competitions, because entrepreneurship, in effect, is you're simply becoming a professional problem solver. And mm-hmm. if you sit around and you say to yourself, "Gee, the world is perfect," well, that's means there's no opportunities so until the world is perfect there's always business opportunities because as an entrepreneur we're in the business of solving problems and creating value and the way you create value is you simply you look at any industry any product any service and you dissect that particular service product into its value attributes and by value attributes i mean um, it's price, it's, it's components, it's the method of delivery, it's customer service and delivering, and it's the labeling, it's the packaging, it's the shipping methods, it's the, the website, the way it's designed. All these f- come together and form a value picture to the consumer. And when a consumer gives you money, which is our objective in a business, is to get money to receive revenue, the consumer is essentially saying, hey, you won. You won that value competition. Congratulations. Mm. So if we're looking to start a business from scratch, from absolutely nothingness, the number of those value attributes that you skew to the bo- to the positive side, that creates your opportunity. So you only need to usually skew one or two of them mm-hmm. in order to have yourself a business. And it could be customer service. It could be you have better packaging. It could be a better price. I usually don't recommend pricing as an attribute because then it's a it's a race to the bottom we're not interested in that but better quality better components better delivery something so the more of those attributes you skew the better your business opportunity good example i use is uber they have skewed every single attribute in that particular space which is ground transportation Mm -hmm. which is why they're a billion dollar company because they didn't just skew one or two they skewed all of them so as a small entrepreneur, all we have to do is skew a few of those, communicate that value to our customer, and bam, you have yourself a business. We're not reinventing the wheel. Fantastic. MJ, so what if someone's sitting there listening? They've been through 
13 years of, of scripting at school and then five more years of scripting at uh, college or university. Maybe they've been working for five or 10 years as well. And they listen to this and they think this MJ guy sounds like he got, he's got some good ideas. What's their first step? How do they, the, the, I guess their, their minds might not be open to these opportunities around. How, how do they first start looking around for these business opportunities? Well, it's always exposed in the pro- in the language of problems, <laughs> language of the language of uh, you know I hate this. Why is it like this? This sucks. Um, anytime you find yourself saying that, or you hear other people saying it, uh, that's that's yourself finding an opportunity. You know, I can go on Twitter right now and search for I hate or I you know, yeah. and you'll find a couple opportunities just in that language. Uh, you know, when I, the last time I did that, someone said they were, they hated, you know, packing for a move. So there's a potential opportunity there. And again, all this, this falls back into the value array of any opportunity or any industry you're looking to exploit. So as long as you do something better in these particular attributes, you can create yourself a business. But, Generally speaking, it always usually um, lies in the areas of problems because, again, entrepreneurs are problem solvers. We find solutions and then we deliver them. So, and uh, what about uh, what would you say to someone who maybe they've read a, a couple of motivational books and seen some some short videos on Facebook, and they just think, you know, what I'm really not enjoying my job. I want to quit my job and do what I love. Follow my passions. <laughs> what, what is that? What, uh, what are you thinking when, uh, if someone says that? Uh, beware. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I said in early in the introduction that I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, um, but I didn't start seeing success until I was um, 26, 25, 26. And in those prior years, all my failures have come down to those two mantras do what you love. And follow your passion. You see, the market don't give a shit about what you love. <laughs> the market doesn't give a shit about your passions. It doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff. It wants to know what value are you going to give to me and how much does it cost? Now, the problem with those two mantras is they ignore the market. And oftentimes, people who, quote, follow their passion are entering markets that are extremely saturated. So if the market is extremely saturated, a good example I always use is personal trainers. Well, people love fitness. They love working out. They love the adrenaline they get. They love you know the way they look. So they naturally gravitate to, well, I'm going to be a trainer. Well, guess what? Millions of other people are thinking the same thing. So what happens is you have too much supply and not enough demand. And then when that happens, your price continues to get lower and lower and lower because the because the service becomes commodified uh, you know like like gas you know gas over here is pretty much the same as it is over there it has the illusion of being a commodity mm-hmm. and and that's not a space we want to be operating in because it's not predicated on market variables it's predicated on your selfish inclinations and the market itself is very selfish so if you insist on being selfish yourself, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And it also closes you out to a lot of opportunity. There may be opportunities all over the place. But because you're hell-bent on doing what you love and following your passion, 
you're you're tunnel visioning yourself into a particular set of opportunities that may probably don't exist. Yeah, unreal. Almost sounds a little bit selfish in a way, just following your own passion. But um, zooming, rewinding a bit back to before you were 26 years old, and you said you had a, you know, you were already considered yourself an entrepreneur. Did you ever have doubts in yourself before you hit your first success with your uh, your limousine online company? And and if you did, then how did you push through and uh, keep keep on the same road? Well, I think that's a great question. Um, I've always identified as an entrepreneur, and I think that's in, extremely important, is to identify as an entrepreneur, because if you identify as an entrepreneur, you will continue to work to become an entrepreneur. So in, in, in light of those failures and you know, missteps, you know, I still had jobs. I had jobs I didn't like. I had jobs that I hated. But in my head, I still knew I am an entrepreneur. And when you identify as a particular thing, you will always work to get to maintain that congruence with your identity. So if you say to yourself, well, I'm an engineer employed at XYZ company who aspires to be an entrepreneur. Well, see, the status quo there is congruent with your identity. So you're not going to make any changes because you are you already identify I in, is in congruence with, with what you think. You're you're not you're an engineer who aspires to be an entrepreneur. Therefore, you have no motivation to work, no motivation to change. So if you you know if you have a job, and you want to make this turn into entrepreneurship, you need to identify as an entrepreneur, even though you may not you know even though you may have a job, you have to identify as an entrepreneur. And another analogy I want to bring up real quick is this idea of being an entrepreneur is like sports. You don't become a a good player at any sport, whether it's tennis, golf, baseball, unless you continually practice. You don't go up to the plate for baseball, take a few swings, strike out, hit some foul balls and say, "Eh, it didn't work. I quit. I'm no good. See, you're not playing the game properly. That's that's not the way to approach this. This is you want to be a world-class anything, you consistently have to work and you have to practice and you have to fail. So that means you're going to strike out. Your first business will suck. Your second business may lose money. Your third business may be okay. It may take you multiple times at the plate to hit that single or hit that home run or whatever it is. The point is... You're in this for the long run, not, you know, oh, I'm going to try this. This is not something you try. Were you speaking directly to Adam Jones? He's a, an engineer. He's trying to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. Um, I, uh, I just want to say, MJ, I reckon you've, uh, you've, uh, your book, I read it probably when I was in my final year of, uh, of university. I think you've ruined me. I'm probably one of the worst employees there is because <laughs> I did uh, super well in school, got really high grades. I was, I don't know, well-rounded and everything. And I was, I was putting in the work, putting in the time, putting in the hours, working hard. And as soon as I read this, I realized I was, I was on the wrong, I was definitely on the wrong path. And now I'm one of the worst employees there is. I don't show up, <laughs> I have short days, long lunch breaks, and always <laughs> working on other things other than the, other than the job. Yeah, I mean that's that that tells me you're already identifying as an entrepreneur because you see you, you're there as a means to an end. You know, I need to pay some bills, 
uh, you know, take care of the food and the, the shelter. But that tells me you're identifying as an entrepreneur and you're doing, you know, you're doing whatever it takes. Mm, unreal. So, MJ, in the book, you are, you mentioned you, you read almost a book a week. Are you still, uh, have you still got that habit of reading? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Oh, have you still, are you still reading in the Millionaire Fast Line? You mentioned you read almost a book every week. Are you still reading that much? Are you still reading a lot? Uh, not right now. I took a break um, because uh, the new book was just finished um, probably about six months ago. Uh, but I do plan on starting up again. Uh, I may actually start writing some fiction. I'm not really haven't decided yet. Yeah. But the uh, unscripted life, liberty, and the pursuit of entrepreneurship that is over 400 pages. So it took me a long time to write it. So at this point, at this point, I am officially taking a short little siesta. Yeah, unreal. So is there, is there any books you recommend that have been powerful in your life, uh, on your journey for our listeners? Um, this may sound a little odd because uh, I kind of castigated this author in my new book. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Awaken the Giant Within. It's a very old book, um, very thick book. Um, but it it delves into a lot of psychology things. Uh, that was my Bible when I when I was starting out and struggling, uh, because it really helps you attack some of the mental barriers. I believe entrepreneurship is ninety percent mental, in overcoming our biases and and you know ability to reflect on what the market is telling you. So that book uh, has a lot of uh, gem you know information gems in it. And it's still it's still relevant today. I mean, I think it's a twenty a book that's twenty twenty five years old. Uh, it's still very relevant today. Uh, so I, I I've been recommending that book from for most of my life. Nice. No, so you uh, in your first book, uh, Millionaire Fast Line, you sort of uh, you hung shit on uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Do you say so? In the we haven't read the second one yet. Have you uh, have you taken on Tony Robbins this time? Uh, well, no. I, first of all, I. Tony Tony's helped a, a ton of people, so I'm not taking on him. I took umbrage with his new book, The Money Game, or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. because it's a it's he didn't make his money that way. Yeah, he didn't, it's classic uh, slowline. He he owns an island in the care in the Pacific because he's an awesome motivational speaker. He sells seminars, he sells books, and here to buy mutual funds and invest in the stock market. <laughs> So he's become a compound interest conspirator. And so that duplicity rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, I still recommend his work because, again, he has he has changed a hell of a lot more lives than I've changed, although I'm trying to work on that. But, um, you know, I take umbrage with duplicities, you know, mm-hmm. teaching one thing and yet you're off on the side getting rich doing something else. That kind of that kind of uh, duplicity, you know, irks the frick out of me. <laughs> we can say fuck. You say irks the okay. fuck out of you. Irks the fuck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, fantastic. Well, MJ, is there uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with? And also, where can people find uh, you and your books? Um, I, w- I will leave people with this. People are miserable. It's it's because they've given up on their dream. And uh, 
when you when you pursue your dream, I mean, you're you're actively in the trenches. You're fighting. You're you know you're having failures. You're you're having successes. It's the up and down roller coaster. We all know about that roller coaster. But when you are actively pursuing your dream, you are actually living the dream. Mm. So I think that's a very important distinction. It's again, this is like old old hat. You know, it's not the destination. It's the journey, but it's so easily said that it actually is practice. So people are miserable because they've given up. There's no dream. Their best idea of a good life is to get up 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, give their money to Wall Street, and hope for a better future. See, for them, they've given up, and the dream is dead. So as soon as you make the decision to commit to this type of existence, then you start living the dream, even though the results eventually come a little bit later. As for my books, uh, you should be able to find them anywhere books are sold. Amazon uh, is the easiest place, or you can go to um, viperianpublishing.com. If you'd like to discuss this philosophy more, I'm at the fastlaneforum.com. We have a lot of Australians there, a lot of uh, people in the Southeast Asia region, Welcome to come by. Check that out. I am there every single day for the most part contributing. So I'm not like, you know, this author who just disappears and you never see him. I'm actually there contributing every day. So come on by. It's perfectly free. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. And um, yeah, good luck with whatever comes next. Those fiction books, maybe. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Guys, for us, we think the world would be a better place if they just read books and stopped listening to some of that crap that's on the TV. <laughs> Man, we like uh, a few TV shows, but most of it is just uh, a waste of time. A lot of the news. Books. So yeah. if you guys uh, also believe in our vision and think the world would be a better place uh, if people just read books, give us a review and then more people find the podcast and more people start reading books. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Get some, get some books into you. Yeah.